Hey y'all, you are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, Sugar Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl. We are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Now, before we get started, because I know I've been talking about this episode for the past two weeks, but before we get started, y'all know I can't do any podcast episode without thanking you all for listening. So thank you for listening, boo-boo. Out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are out there in podcast land, you choose to lend me your ears once a week for about an hour or so, and I hella appreciate that. Normally, when I do podcast episodes with my guests, right, whether they homies or not, in this case, it's one of the homies, my homeboy Afu, better known as Wine Wool, also known as a trap therapist. Um, he and I had initially talked about wanting to do an episode on one thing, then it turned to something else. What you're going to listen to today is a respectful exchange between two spirits in two different bodies, but on the same page. And the reason why I stay on the same page is because a lot of times in our community, especially as black folks, non-native people, we always hear a narrative of black men and black women not getting along. You're not going to hear that this episode. We got along great. Not only did we get along great, we discussed a lot about the respect factor when it comes to dealing with each other, when it comes to relationships and interpersonal relationships in general, healing, um, loving somebody through trauma. So it's a lot of stuff. We also end up going on a tangent about education. Um, myself and our food are familiar with, um, I guess, higher institutions and, and postgraduate degrees. And we also have some interesting views on that. And there was a bit of a conflict with that <laughs> during this episode. So we talked about a lot. So definitely get your tea. It's going to be a longer episode than normal. Um, get you a snacky snack if you want to do that. Also, listen to the entire episode. Please listen to it. Just to make sure that you get 100% of the context. It is very easy to hear 30 seconds, a minute, 30, five minutes even, an exclamatory statement or something that's very a passionate statement and then cut it off. At least hear what's after that so there's no unnecessary sound-biting assumptions. And the reason why I say that is because in this modern society with social media, for some reason, we have been programmed collectively. And I always say we because I'm never above my own advice. We've, we've been programmed to accept tidbits of information and then create full-fledged belief systems and opinions based on these little itty-bitty pieces of sound, audio, um, visual content. And with this, I wanted this to be a slow burn on purpose because I really wanted y'all as my family out here in podcast land to really digest this. And I really would like feedback on this episode as well, as always. Um, so yeah, um, also if you are in a relationship with somebody, tap in. This is definitely an episode that I think couples um, could get something out of. Um, maybe if you have, well, no, no, no. It's it's definitely, it's a lot of cussing. So no, no cheering, maybe 16 and up. It depends on what your 16 year old is into, okay? Cause social media, boy, it's, it's pretty much, you could get anything anywhere on a simple search, but 16 and up is cool too. If they are used to adult language. Um, I have not cursed in a podcast episode in a while. This is not one of those clean episodes. Okay. This is really just me and my partner, them 
um, really just talking and having a good time and having a very um, fun, cool vibe, um, cool energy exchange, very passionate. I mean, Fu was a Leo. I'm an Aries. So if you, you can pretty much imagine what that exchange was. Lots of fire. Um, so <laughs> just letting you know. Okay, don't listen. Don't put me on the Bluetooth. Now I'm going to give you five seconds to get me off the Bluetooth speaker if you got children in the house because I want to make sure that I respect your house. Or respect your car if you got children in the car. So turn me on to your Bluetooth headphones or turn me off your Bluetooth speaker so you can hear it in maybe your two feet, three foot radius of your phone or whatever you're playing on. So I'm going to give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two. All right. So with that being said, y'all, let's tap into today's episode with my homeboy, Afu, a.k.a. Wine Wool, also known as the Trap Therapist. Hey, hey, y'all. It's your girl, Maria, the spiritual homegirl, and I'm with Wine Wool, intimately known as Fu, my partner, Fu, representing the south side of Atlanta. He is yeah. a sex and intimacy guy. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know, Sunday, feeling good, feeling blessed. Thankful to be here with you, finally. 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 This has been yeah. years in the making, so I'm really glad that we are able to finally get on wax, because we talk a lot off wax, off mic, so... It's good to have this conversation on mic about what you do and just sex, dating, relationships in general. So for those that are new to Wine Wool, because I've tagged you a lot over the past few days, and I've tagged you a lot in general anyway in terms of something I might share of yours. For those that don't know, who is Wine Wool, though? For sure. So, um, you know, like you said, intimately known as a fool. Um, most people that know me um, have known of me and known me. Um, my name is a fool. Um, in this iteration of my life, the trap therapist, swine wool, um, really was just birthed from a place of me having to actually ask questions as to who I actually am. Um, several years ago, roughly around like 2013, I wrote a book, authored a book called King Without a Crown, and it was rooted in a period of me actually like defining the fact that I was a healer. I went back and got my master's in counseling psychology. Um, at the time, I was just studying to be a licensed counselor, and I was like, I want to be the Black Doctor Field. Like, this is who I'm going to be. <laughs> and this was after, you know, I, I I realized my dream of going to the NFL wouldn't happen. So I'm like, all right, well, should I still got to find my purpose in life and what I'm here to do? And at that time, it just was very, very like, you know, this is who you are. This is what you're supposed to do. So in doing that, like I wrote this book and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write a book. It's going to be a bestseller. I'm going to be this relationship expert. And like, so at the time, it'd be funny. It's funny now like sitting with um it's funny now sitting with like the like some of the like the Derek Jackson stuff and a lot of these folks because I remember back then like a lot of us around that time kind of started around the same time like influencer wise I guess so to speak and I'm seeing people kind of in this lane of black men like, essentially being community leaders and voices towards what it means to be better people and at the time, it's funny that we about to talk about relationships now, but back then, I just knew I was going to be helping niggas with their relationships. <laughs> like, I just knew I was going to come out the gate on some back, you know, act like a woman, think like a man shit. Like, back then when I thought I knew something and I was actually, like, listening to Steve Harvey and shit and, like, you know what I'm saying? All my woke shit, all my fake woke shit. Like, it was really, you know, me really just kind of going through the process of, like, how do I, as an individual who knows he wants to be better, show up in this space to be an actual tangible leader and not just talk with my mouth. So the trap therapist, um, I essentially appeared in my where I lost a lot of things. Um, I, I separated from my um, daughter's mother uh, at the time. It was like back in 2015, 16. 
Um, I, my, I, my, my father passed. Um, it was just a lot of transition and me having to be like, all right, bro, who are you and how are you going to show up in the actual world? So the trap therapist um, essentially is a psycho-spiritualist trained psychotherapist who um, works with specifically like, you know, BIPOC communities, but I really just say black folks. I know that's just the clinical terminology for it, but colored and indigenous, you know, communities um, specifically around trauma and issues related to how we show up in the world and how we cope. Um, with life. And so now, you know, I've been kind of getting this sex therapy certification um, through CIS out there in California. It's been an interesting experience, but um, I think I'm now comfortable enough to to kind of jump out here and let people know that that is the modality that I work in. Like I help people deal with all types of shit and sex is just one of them. So what made you, because I noticed lately you have been speaking on like sexuality, especially black male sexuality relationships, how we interact with each other as black men, black women. Um, like how, what made you decide to go there though? Like, you know, like you said, you deal with trauma and things yeah. like that, but this sex therapy yeah. thing, what made you decide to be like, yeah, this is the one I want to do? Yeah. Well, I think it's, <laughs> if we want to be for real, I always I ask this question like, what's the one thing you're not gonna tell? What's the one? What's something you're not gonna talk to your therapist about? Right. Ah, I see. You see what I'm saying? And I think about like for me, and this is that's why I've been waiting to have this conversation with you. I I've been very discouraged with the way in which black folks specifically, and the way in which we've kind of leaned into mental health or what we perceive to be mental health, or the process towards healing. Um, via psychotherapy and, and that modality, because I feel like it's really, if you're not actually talking about the things and the ways in which you give up your power and things you're vulnerable to and your actual weaknesses, then what are we really doing? And so I feel like a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of what we see and what we deal with is people kind of like articulating and, and, and verbal emotions everybody want to call me. i don't know why everybody want to call me right now but you know you're doing some work that's why you feel me <laughs> like um but i feel like every like what we're seeing is a lot of people verbalizing what they're supposed to feel right and a lot of us being able to kind of do this meme therapy and say well this is this thing and i can see this when in real time it's like just because you say this is the problem doesn't mean when the problem calls you at two o'clock in the morning and says, I'm going to pull up and come over this, you're going to actually know what to do. Like, <laughs> and I think that's the thing for me where it was like sex therapy has to be it. Because when we talk about the issues and we're talking about interpersonal relationships, we can talk about like the broad community shit and, and how systems of oppression actually impact the way in which we cope, impacts our mental health, impacts the ways in which we, you know, deal with ourselves and our external environments. But in real time, it's like for me, it's OK, what can we control? The interpersonal relationships where now it's like, all right, how are you actually dealing with people and with the situations that, you know, life presents you with? That's some of the stuff that I think is people, Black folks specifically, we generalize and we don't do the dirty work. And the dirty work for me looks like the shadow shit, the shit you don't want to talk about, the shit that you don't go to the grave about. So when you talk about Black men dying at, you know, higher rates due to suicide, why are we killing ourselves? Like, those are the questions that I ask myself, like, why are we killing ourselves, right? And when I answer that question <laughs> and I go to the things that niggas take to the grave, Usually it has to do with identity issues. Usually it has to do with things that you don't want nobody to know about. 
Usually it got to do with the shit that you were told makes you less of whatever idea of a man you think you're supposed to be. And a lot of times those things are rooted in sex or in things related to trauma around sex, emotions, the ways in which you've been conditioned to believe, again, your sexuality is tied to your identity and manhood or, you know what I mean? So it's a lot of those things that specifically with black men, black women, I take the example, like y'all are the blueprint, the model for me in terms of self-care and wellness. But for black men, we I feel like we sit on the opposite side of that. Like in terms of the ways in which we actually analyze and 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 interrogate ourselves as to why we do what we do and how we show up. And I feel like sex and our ability, even that word in itself is so big and broad. It's like, how do we even relate to what that is? You know what I mean? I'm glad you brought that up because with us being, because I do agree with you in terms of black women being like the the blueprint for the wellness and the self care, and I do see that the conversation is slowly, slowly progressing into <laughs> having black men do the same. Mm-hmm. I noticed that there isn't a net like for us, we can have environments where we can have within each other where we can talk about some of these things and do shadow work. Like you know, there's there's a EI or a um female mentor or like some like we have to me i think just based on my experience i have more options to go to to deal with shadow work which i think and i'm definitely a champion of shadow work so i think shadow work is where the real healing begins personally but that's just me personally Um, i feel shadow work is just trauma informed that's trauma informed there yeah i can see that too honestly i mean we we can can and dress it up in a lot of different ways, but it's like the work of you integrating anything is to you for you to have to be able to sit with and understand how that pain point or how that like violation or that that thing that shook you, how it can actually be used to actually like work with what you got to deal with every single day. <laughs> like, so the idea of shadow work being like a thing that we just oh go do a ritual for or go do some spells yeah, for. Nah. It's like this shit gonna pop up every day. You talking about parental issues and shit around trauma, and you see these folks every day. It's like, what do you think? Yeah, that's another thing too. Um, I think sometimes people think shadow work is something that's like a quick fix. And I always say with social media spirituality, it's like a microwave. So Very people much. think that you just supposed to keep it real with yourself this one time and then <laughs> you're like healed. And yeah. even though you could, the awareness piece is there now, there's still like the whole processing and digging up of all the stuff that we buried deep down for so long. And that part is where it, it can get ugly. But to me, I'm like, that's a good thing though. You know what I'm saying? Like the ugliness of what we like to even sit with why that's even ugly. Why will we consider that ugly? You know what I'm saying? Like who told us this? How was this taught to us? How did that feel? And then, like you said, just transmuting. Cause again, I love transmutation. That's my superpower. I'm, I totally am. And for that, how do we transmute that into healing self, which ultimately can help us in our interpersonal relationships. We can ultimately help the community at large in which we live, serve, work, what have you. So it's, it's so much bigger than just a buzzword. I totally feel you with that. Facts. You just said something around um, like that ugliness, like sitting with the ugliness and then being a good, a beautiful thing. One of the things that I'm finding and I found just working with my people is, you know, usually sometimes the things we get the most pleasure from, we don't feel like we don't actually see as, as things that are aesthetically pleasing. All right. Mm-hmm. So it's like even thinking about ourselves. So you think about it in intimate situations or romantic situations where if there is a narrative or a truth about you that says I'm not attractive, 
I'm not somebody who, you know, people will find appealing. I'm not somebody who is sick. I'm not sexy. I'm not somebody that, you know what I'm saying? I don't turn folks on. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not what niggas want. Then in real time, sitting with the ugliness is not something that you're going to desire to do. Right. In terms of how that may translate in other areas in different ways in your life. So I think kind of just real quick how, you know what I mean? Like being able to connect to when I tell folks, like when you say, like, we always say it's like, healer, sit with it, sit with it. What am I sitting with? <laughs> like, how do I sit? How do I sit with it? Right. So it's like, okay, pra- in practice, how are you actually getting comfortable with your ugly and whatever you perceive as ugly? Because somebody told you that that was ugly. Like, you know what I mean? The ugly make to me looks like the ways in which we're, and causing harm on ourselves and people in ways that we're not holding ourselves accountable for. That's the ugly that, like, that's the real ugly. The shit that just may look like you coping in ways that may not necessarily be comfortable for other people, or like you turning to sex, or you dealing with certain things, or just maybe moving in a non-traditional way. That's not ugly, but somebody, some voice, that may have been your father, your mother, you know, your whoever you was close to you, your confidant, Somebody told you that what you see, what's normal for you, what's actually love, feels like love for you or feels safe for you is ugly. And a lot of times it'd be, that's when people say, well, what is sex therapy? Like, what is, what are you in there talking about fucking and how does, how you, how you stroke it? Like, what are you, and I'm like, there's some parts of aspects to, you know, but in real time, it's how are you, con- when in those moments of discomfort or those moments of vulnerability or pleasure, you know, when you sometimes that like that, that that discomfort comes in real quick or something happens and it's like, ah, I don't feel as sexy now. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Or, ah, shit, you know, it went left, the vibe, the vibe went off, right? It's, it's connecting with those pieces. So, yeah. Also, society, I think, does not create a, because when I think of what you said with ugly, I think about the conversations with um, fat phobia being one. Um, conventional attractiveness based on Eurocentric standards being another. So it's just like, we already have like the world, so to speak, to say that Uh we are not attractive if we don't Uh fit within these things. But then it's like, it's passed down to like our elders and then our elders (laughs) pass it down to us. And it's just like, damn, exactly. Now we have to feel like we have to adjust ourselves in order to be seen desirable, even out of the bedroom, just to be even seen desirable, somebody that's worthy of respect or worthy of, um dignity or a conversation even or a business deal or just a, anything so i think that's interesting um and yeah i can see the uncomfortableness the uncomfortableness around sex because in our community especially with our hella religious folks it's not a shot to them at all because like i said people are taught things the way they're taught and they move the way they move because there's a certain level of conditioning right so mm-hmm. with sex it's 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 not becoming as taboo as it used to be. Even when we was coming up, it was still taboo. You know what I'm saying? Especially with women talking about it as well. Like Lil' Kim, when Lil' Kim came out, they thought Lil' Kim was like this big yeah. poor rapper who was just talking all of this stuff. And when and then and the cold party yeah, yeah. The blueprint. <laughs> but then going back to Millie Jackson though. Millie mm. Jackson was about that beforehand too. Yeah. Millie yeah. Jackson was about it, and she's been around since like what, six, what the 60s, 70s, 80s. I remember there was mm-hmm. a specifically my auntie had a record of hers. I'll never forget it. Millie Jackson was sitting on a toilet with her uh, with her underwear pulled down. I'm trying to think what was the, I think the uh, album cover was called "With the Shit," talking shit, something. And I was just like, wow, there's a woman 
yeah. that's really out here. I'm trying to find it now. I can't find it for the life of me. <laughs> but, um, like, but really with... She really bought that. No, the yeah. song, I think it was called Back to the Shit. I think mm-hmm. that was what it called. But you have a woman talking like this. Yeah, big fans. But because, again, our communities are so used to these types of gender norms and roles of a woman being this way and she cannot move this way. If not, she's not of, like the same way you said with men. If they don't move a certain way, they're less of a man. If a woman moves a certain way, she's too horrid. She's too masculine. She's too, she's trying to do too much. She's not a real woman. She's trying to be something she's not. It just, we have, I see what the work you're doing. It sounds like you're having to challenge everything, everything with that, everything. with your clients. Everything, everything. Um, and, and it's me challenging. I think it's rooted in me having to challenge myself in the ways in which I show up to assume what masculine or feminine is, to assume. Um, I think, you know, it took me a while. There are things that I've, I've done in my personal life in practice that I've had to honor and hone before I bring it to people, right? So it's like the idea of what it means or what it meant for me to actually detach or recondition myself to a very, very, mind you, I've been telling for a lot of time, like I'm a street nigga who just went to school, right? And I just had my lane, but in real time, my conditioning is very, very much a lot of these memes that niggas be laughing at, right? So me holding space for myself to realize like, nah, I actually, my, my default is toxic. So knowing that is to know that, okay, even when I feel like I'm in the right, I still got a challenge to ask myself, like, is this even the right way or the right thinking? Because in real time, what happens when you detach from that thinking, now your ego says, well, nigga, like, you're better than, so you actually deserve the things that being like this don't afford you. So it go back to when I be talking about these niggas, like the Kevin Samuel niggas and the, and the, 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 the high level niggas to where it's like, when you other yourself from toxicity, when you don't integrate, when you don't honor your fuck shit, it others you to now where you can't actually see where you're now being the oppressor and being the fuck nigga. So a lot of these niggas that be sitting there talking down on street niggas and talking down on future and talking down on certain like certain archetypes of men, when in real time it's like you get money and work hard simply so that in the shadows you can be these men. Because you can never be these men in the light, in the daytime. But in real time, that's exactly what the patriarchy teaches us. You have this, you have this on the surface, but you have this behind closed doors. And I don't give a fuck how a nigga feel about it. That's just what we know. Right? So for me to, to sit with the what patriarchy has destroyed in our communities in terms of the black man not being able to be in his whole body, the black man not being able to be comfortable in his skin, the black man, and I mean, not even specifically man, but the masculine, that energy, not being able to, that energy feeling constipated and just and, and, and just crunched up and not being able to breathe and that being, and then now we're seeing all of the results of us not being fluid, not being able to be our whole selves. So I'm like, yeah, this conversation has been, we've been having, has been happening all wrong. That's what I'm realizing in all of my studies. Cause I'm up here going in these spaces with all these folks and looking, oh, I got my master's. Let me go get my PhD. Even now in sex therapy school, great program. And I'm realizing that these are things that we already know and we already have like, you know what I'm saying? Like we have resources, we have leader practitioners like blackness. And I'm gonna say this and I hope people listening. If we're, if we're exploring or interrogating blackness, we cannot do it up against white shit. We can't interrogate blackness in white spaces and think it's not going to get like tainted with anything. 
Like, and that's exactly what I feel like happens when we have this conversation around, you know, sexuality, identity, the binary, specifically when black men enter the conversation and enter the room. And I mean, cis het black men, I'll be very specific in this space. Like we're talking about cis heterosexual black men, right? When we enter in the space, and I'm gonna say we, because again, a part of this journey for me, and I'll be very specific with my words and intentional, a part of this journey for me has been in honoring my fluidity and my queerness as a cis heterosexual black man. And I say that with those labels because the space that I take up in this world is cis head as fuck, is, is hood as fuck, is all the nigga shit, <laughs> right? But for me to show up as a therapist to work with the, the gay folks in my in my community, to work with all the folks, all the black folks, every last one of y'all, because I saw the barrier where I wasn't working with trans folks. I wasn't working with gay men, black men. I wasn't working with, I didn't, queer black women didn't feel safe coming to me. So I'm like, okay, what is it about how I show up and how I do what I do that tells you that I'm not safe? You see what I'm saying? Yep. So like, that's some of the shit now to where it's like, okay, as I'm sitting here doing what I'm doing in silence, not just like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a sex therapist, you know, I already do what I do bugging the system anyway. <laughs> but in real time, like in silence, I'm having to honor and find the verbiage because the binary confused me. Pronouns confuse me. Certain shit, if I'm going off of my conditioning, confuse me. When I detach from that and step back, I'm like, oh, I get it. You know what I'm saying? My pronouns is him, his, and shout Shouty is non-binary as fuck. Shouty. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, but that shit that you have to like, you got to sit in some shit and make it black before some white folks tell you that this is how you live. Because if I'm sitting with it, I'm like, shit, the only place, I, I see where cishet black men, we honor the fuck out of our fluidity. We just don't talk about it. Like, we honor the fuck out of, of, of certain aspects of who we are in totality, especially in the South. But again, when you let other people tell y'all how we show up, then we don't get the accurate picture. You know what? We had a conversation off mic, and mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to make sure I choose the wording correctly because I'm still sitting with that, right? <laughs> so I remember we had talked about a situation where, um, um, and I want to make sure I correct me when I'm wrong here. Hopefully, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Where the men. It was it was about remember I told you about the situation where the men and other men yeah yeah about how yeah. like it may not necessarily be a conscious thing that was done but it was a a posturing against other men like, that was shown yeah you know yep. remember what I'm talking about I remember exactly what you're talking about yeah okay can you speak more to that because I know we always talk about jokes of oh the bromance and all this other stuff yeah. and when you had said that to me that day I was yeah. like it just the bro the word bromance just yeah. clicked in my head because people yeah. talk about how come men cannot be emotionally available for women, but they always run a homeboys. They can be able to show that love and be able to be uh, not quite soft, but they can be able to kind of show that kind of love to their homeboys. So it's like, mm -hmm. uh, you know what I'm saying? Like you get wrong mm -hmm. with this because mm -hmm. I don't want to go into the situation, obviously, because you know, it was Absolutely. a very layered discussion, but can you please speak to that? For sure. I feel like um, patriarchy does not allow us the range to experience each other's energy without telling us that this is something you got to possess, right? So I'm going to start off with that, right? So the idea that masculine, feminine energy, when we engage with it, 
um, if we're not balanced, it looks like if we're if we have a deficit of something, it's like I experienced something. Now I got to actually own this, possess this to balance me up, right? So the idea, and and to be like specific as what you were saying, when we're in relationships with you know energy that we want to be romantic with, specifically the feminine, right? And we're talking about traditional, you know, masculine, feminine scenarios. Um, a lot of times what happens and what you're referring to is when the, when men, when we're, when our focus tends to not be on the woman or the individual we're with, but with the masculine energy that's connected to the woman that we're with. So I'm inquiring as to what they were, who this ex is, what this is, what they got going on, what nigga made you feel good in this way, you know what I'm saying, who took you here. Now, what nigga bought you this shit? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm measuring up because I have been conditioned and told that if I'm not at the top of the totem pole on your list of niggas, then I really don't really have much. You know what I'm saying? I got that tells me how I move in this situation. Like I have to gauge where I can be or where I am on the totem pole in terms of hierarchy. Right. Because we live in a hierarchical society that says if I'm not the alpha you're at the top, then I'm not important. Like then this relationship is, 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 doesn't mean anything. So now for men, you start to see the dehumanizing to where it's like, if you're not somebody that I can respect or somebody that I can, can, can posture with in this way, then I got to demean you because if I respect you, then I can be, then I'm vulnerable and my feelings and emotions may come into play. Right. But if I actually like, you know what I'm saying? Push you down and be like, shit in real time, she got a nigga or some nigga, you know what I'm saying? I'm really not going to be that for her. So shit, let me get that pussy in and just slide right. You feel me? Let me just come in and do what I need to do versus honoring the fact that, damn, I might like Shouter, but she got a nigga that she fucked with. And like, I really kind of want to be vulnerable with her because like, I feel safe here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might not be that nigga, but like, Shouty cool as fuck. And I'm fucking with her feng shui. But something that I've been conditioned to believe is that if I'm not the nigga that's tatted on her back or the nigga who, you know what I'm saying, got the, the story or the kid, the baby daddy or whatever the fuck, if I feel these things, then I'm not going to take this, this serious because patriarchy tells you that if you're not the man, then you're not a man. There we go. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yes. Patriarchy yeah. is going to do that. And a lot of us as men are showing up not being the man that we are, but we want to be the man that patriarchy tells us we need to be. In our power, and we be fucked up at, right? Like, it'd be a lot of situations where women, and, and a lot of time my client, people, for those that don't know, I work with 95% women. Um, There's this a whole lot of feminine energy over here that I be working with. And it'd be funny to me because when, like y'all be attracted to the niggas that y'all like, actually like, like, like it's it ain't got nothing to do with what the nigga do. It ain't got shit to do. It's just something about the nigga that you like. And I be knowing on the flip side that if these men aren't in spaces where they're like in their body and grounded, they're not gonna ever understand why you like them or fuck with them because it's not something that they can grab. Because it's not something like if you're if you, if I'm if my emotions and who I am as an individual isn't tangible to me, then I can never see why it's tangible to you. That's why niggas be like, why do you fuck with me? Like, that's why niggas be on some mixed emotion shit, like thinking one thing isn't like, like nigga, I like you as a person. It don't mean I want to marry you, but niggas will take that <laughs> and roll with it and be like, oh my gosh, she bro, bro, shout out trying to lock me down. Like, no, nigga, like <laughs> I'm enjoying your company, right? 
But what is intimacy to somebody that's been told intimacy look like you got to marry me? Yeah, I get what you're saying with that. So, so y'all, quick story time. I remember somebody <laughs> made an assumption that I wanted to lock them down and I just was not in the space to do that. I knew I was not in the space to do that. I thought it was communicated, but after a certain point, this person was like, hey, you know, we're moving too fast. And I'm like, as far as I was concerned, we're not moving anywhere yeah. <laughs> because I'm not in the market for anything other than what that was. Mm-hmm. So um, down the line, we discussed it and um, he was like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I just felt like you were getting too attached. And I said, but if I told you what I did not want and what I wanted, how would you think that? Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, well, you would ask me to come over. And it was like, yeah, but it was like, I like being around you. I don't mean I want to be with you in a committed, exclusive relationship. It doesn't mean that I want to mm-hmm. tell my mama about you or bring you home. I, it doesn't mean none of that. It just means that for that time frame, for them two to eight hours, however long you're going to do it, you know, however you're going to be on beat, if you stay over, mm-hmm. I like being around you. It don't mean mm-hmm. I love you romantically. I might have loved you as a human being because I'm a person that tells people I love them. I love you. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. I want to marry you. Doesn't mean I want to have your babies. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. none of that. So, it was a weird conversation because oh boy had made the the determination and this 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 whole thesis of a <laughs> of a situation that didn't even exist and he moved accordingly incorrectly so I'm like dang so now I know that rather than have a conversation with me and kind of see if what you're thinking is even accurate you made a play that didn't need to be played so now I look at you now as even if we've gotten that cleared up. I can't really go too far with you anyway because you make too many. You're not a talker. You're not a person that's going to be able to bring it to the table and we can have a, a respectful, civilized discussion about it as two adults, two consistent adults. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes people put 10 on two and it really just be two. It don't be 201. It don't be 299. It don't even be a dollar 99. It be two. And people put 10 on it thinking that they know and they really don't. And mm. it could really be chilled if we just yeah. had a discussion. Yeah. Everybody, you know what? Let me go. I'm about to get my soapbox. So let's keep it a thousand. I've done, I've done, and and for, and obviously we're talking about adult stuff. So this is obviously an explicit, right? Podcast. And I've done a very good job of not using profanity over the past two, three months. So let's just keep it a motherfucking thousand. Just because I get dick from you on a regular basis don't mean I want you like that. Sometimes it is what it is. There's an agreement, it is what it is. And I'm saying that because sometimes people really be thinking that, and, and I hate this because society puts us in a situation where they automatically think that women are just 100% emotional of the time and that we just cannot process and think and see yeah. things for what it is. No, yeah. sometimes you're assuming incorrectly about the woman you with, not realizing she already knows how she gonna play it because she already knows in her mind what she is not wanting or what she yeah. wants. You might yeah. just be a piece of meat for her. Yeah. And, and that's okay yeah. if that's what she wants. And if you down yeah. to do that, then that's okay. Or it could be y'all might be casually dating. Y'all might not even be sleeping together. She that she not even trying to wait out and trying to be like she's not trying to do that. She likes you because you take her to dinner. You take her where she want to go. You respect her. She don't want to be with you and marry you. It ain't always like this. It's not always this extra like uh-huh. Disney like portrayal of oh maybe it's no. not always arduous, right? Like thank I feel like- you. I feel like it's either sugar or shit. And then telling folks, like, nah, in the middle, a lot of middle shit. Like, and like you just said, the idea that intimacy, like you said, this this fairy tale idea of what relationships looks like. 
for us, I feel like we got to be a little more, again, talking to black folk, <laughs> got to be a little bit more African than we are American. And I say that from the standpoint of us realizing and respecting the fact that most of us come from situations that weren't what we watched on Disney. Most of us know love in very intimate, very real ways, but didn't grow up in two-parent households that looked like, you know, what we honestly mostly all aspire to in some way, shape, or form. Why is that, right? And we ask ourselves why, regardless of the formula, with two-parent household, one-parent household, whatever the hell, it be the same type of trauma or be the same bullshit because people still got to deal with people. And folks don't realize that at the end of the day, like whether or not you posture whatever way, we all doing the same shit when we go home. We all want the same shit when we go home. Right. We all want the same love. We all desire the same thing. We all want to be seen. We all want to be appreciated. We all want to be loved. Right. So even as you were saying that with your situation, it's like if my relate if my relationship to the feminine looks like me speaking up or me um, having women of the feminine communicate things to me in a way that doesn't mean that I can't actually respond to show up. Or I don't feel like I can respond to speak my mind or speak my emotions. Right then I'm going to internalize that. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to say that, man, shit, man, shout to be tripping when, shout to start tripping when she got down talking and doing this, that, and the third. And I black out, right? I just completely tap out because my mama, my whole life just came down on me by shit. How you just like your daddy? You just like this nigga. You going to be just like these motherfuckers. You ain't going to be shit. Woo, 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 woo. Just critiquing, 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 critiquing. But the one time you get in a relationship with somebody who actually loves you and that woman is just holding you accountable, and love doesn't look like I want you to be my my husband, nigga. I just care about your life. I want you to be well. I want you to be happy, healthy, whole. I want you, you know, to be in good function, right? Niggas don't know the baseline for love. So, of course, when you... Decency for a lot of us as Black men looks like love. Like, you want me to what? You want me to eat good? You want me to bathe every day? <laughs> you want me to wash my ass? Like... <laughs> Right. It's funny. But in real time, a lot of us didn't grow up with motherfuckers that was really making sure we had that type of care. In terms of like in like, I want to do this for you because I want to not because you're a burden to me and your daddy didn't show up. And actually, this is some shit that I shouldn't be doing by myself. And we internalized it. I'll be thankful for my mom for a lot of reasons, because the pain that I had to work through and deal with, I realized that there are some things that she didn't project onto me. She didn't project all of her pain onto me. And so you're talking about a lot of situations that we deal with. Like, I be challenging my folks, like, don't look at, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy or, like, when you're bringing up shit around your parents as just a way for you to bring shit up. It's just like, man, I had to bury my daddy before I learned some shit about him. Like, I had to bury my pops before I sat with, like, man, all this shit, man, this nigga was a hoe. He was this, he was that. Until I stepped into some shit, like, oh, shit, fool, you a hoe, you this, you that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like calm yourself down, my brother, before you start, like, before, before, keep living a little bit. And with a lot of us, like, we get in these situations and be like, man, what the fuck? But one realizes, like, because that trauma told you that this was a thing. And you didn't stop slow. You didn't slow enough. You didn't slow down enough to actually, like, investigate that shit. And ask yourself, is this how I feel or is this the facts? Like, and a lot of times it'd be a whole lot of feelings and niggas don't be having no facts behind what they feel. <laughs> like, you didn't actually say that. That's just what I felt. Like, and I'm sorry that this is what I felt because then it goes back to a physical touch. Like, how do we communicate? 
black folks specifically in relationship, we need to start realizing, and it's not verbal communication that we're sitting with all the time, just verbal. Like we're we we're well versed in nonverbal communication. Like we African people. Like we I know when you saying some shit and you ain't saying nothing with your mouth. I know exactly what the vibes is. I'm tapped in. I know when I'm present. I know what the vibes is, right? So it's like, how can we change? Again, that transmutation can look like you feeling something and then it becoming like words. It becoming a plan. It becoming an action. It becoming some 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 discourse, right? So it's like, I we be we be running away from that feeling of like conflict. And I think something I talk about our relationship to pain and our relationship to pleasure. That's why I love BDSM shit. Like, I feel like all black people need a course in BDSM because we be living shit that white folks just done found a name to put on and make pretty and shit. And they be like, ah, oh, niggas been doing this shit forever. <laughs> like, And I'm learning this shit. It's really just a lot of the ways in which we love each other. It's tough love, nigga. You know what I'm saying? But it's shit that I think now when you when you tap into, like you said, this bitch, this black woman on the toilet taking the shit. Like, that's masculine, that's dominant ass, masculine ass energy. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's an energy, that's that's something that, like, if we verbalize and discuss more, that's actually a part of Blackness in our experience. We talk about the masculine and the feminine energies in terms of what they do, but I'm like, if we're talking about the masculine in terms of it being sturdy, it being, like, structured, it being, you know, methodical, this, that, and the third, honestly, in my experience, I know more Black women that embody that type of energy than I know Black men. If you want to get some shit put together and taken care of and structured, it's some black women I know you can call to get that shit done. Right? Now, I'm not dealing with, like, the 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 black and white of what was. I'm dealing with, like, this shit in living time. Like, we ain't talking about theory that's based in some shit a white man told me in a mountain somewhere. We talking about black folks in real time. In our communities, the masculine is embodied in these black women that I'm working with every single day. So... As I'm sitting here as a man, I'm like, all right, shit, what about my power is, is rooted in some shit? Like, well, damn, fool, you feminine as fuck in a lot of the ways in which you're able to hold space for motherfuckers. The ways in which you're soft. The ways in which you don't just chop motherfucker down. Like, like you, you, you feminine as fuck over here in your own little way. You colorful, you fluid, you know what I'm saying? You sexy as fuck. Like, I honor that shit. Again, talking about conventional attractiveness and all these things right so when you sit with that shit and you look back it's like damn have we been having the right conversations this whole time around about our relationships when a lot of us our bodies look like this most street niggas i know hard as fuck which if you know a street nigga you understand <laughs> you feel me yeah. you know you feel me? <laughs> understand if you know you know i'll leave it at that but you know, you know, but I also want to say really quick, going back to uh, the whole thing, right? So when I mentioned that, yeah. I was like, look, this is all I want you for, whatever. That was back in the day before I realized that sex was an energy exchange, right? And once I realized that, I was like, okay, even if I am going to get into a situation with somebody on any level when it yeah. comes to sexual energy, I have to make sure, regardless of the terms of that agreement, I have to make sure that that person is solid because yeah. if they not, it's going to lead to a lot of problems. And yes. I think that some of us are dealing with some of the issues we're dealing with because we sleeping with people that's not solid people. 
look, that thing be him for some, but you finna you finna be left with some too. Like that footprint it's a is cost. Real. It's a that cost. footprint, absolutely. And and again, it go back to with great pleasure usually comes on the flip side of that some shit. And I think what happens when I be when I'm in again working with my people, it's that awareness piece. How present are you when you feel really really good? Like how aware are you to your environment and what's safe and what's not safe when you are when you when you about to, when you about to come? Like if you got if you in mid stroke and mind you, I'm sitting there because if you got down you done wind it down for the night you getting you in your safe space you doing you playing you touching yourself you feeling good you in your zone you vibed out right. How aware are you? Let's say some shit happened and a motherfucker come in your house with some shit. How aware are you to your environment when you're in a state of ecstasy? Hmm. That's not something we ask ourselves a lot of time. Like, when I feel really, really good, I'm probably going to say yes to damn near anything. Right? Like, motherfucker in that thing making it feel what it feel like. Yeah, yeah, this yours. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Yep. You can have this. Whatever the fuck you want to have. It don't matter. Right? People don't realize that's what we do in our relationships. Pleasure, not pain all the time. <laughs> it be when you feel good, my nigga, when do you get in that trap? You feel yeah. good all in that cycle. That's a very interesting point because sometimes people think that it's solely about what goes on in the physical, but it's like sometimes the physical lasts and next thing you know, it's like the whole honeymoon stage. Like, there you go. This nigga just made me smile. Like, I just like this shit. And you don't even right. know why. And I know I said, like, Adam, like you thought you start off fucking somebody and the dick be all right. I said, just get about two, three more times. That shit gonna be, this shit gonna be much better. And <laughs> about that third or fourth time. Why? Because you like this motherfucker, right? You getting comfortable. You feeling safe, right? Yeah. And you don't realize those are the rakes. Those are the emotions that actually make the sex more enjoyable. Like the best sex of your life probably came from a situation that you felt good and comfortable. So I be asking my folks, where do you feel naked? Where do you feel comfortable being naked? Actually, before you literally get naked, like where can you go to be naked? And can you be naked with yourself? Like, do you like watching? Do you like your body and what you see? Folks be looking at me because I know I have my shirt off all the time. But people don't understand, like, what came into me actually being comfortable in my body. Like, growing up, how I grew up outside. Like, I'm a linebacker. I play football. Like, we be naked. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I had to sit with the fact that, like, I had breasts. You know what I'm saying? Actual, like, you know what I'm saying? Titty meat. Right. And the fact growing up, when we grow up, niggas ain't giving no fuck, nigga. I'm all they on your ass about your body. They on your ass about anything that they can that can that can make you, you know what I'm saying, come off this high horse. Right. I've been that nigga my whole life. So I I've been for a long time, I developed a insensitivity to my body, but that had to turn into me actually fucking with my body because my body was always shifting. Like I always been big, but I'm a muscular more. Everybody, every part else on my body is muscular. You know, I got a little stomach, but in real time, like I really had to sit with like for growing up, like I being chubby, and then you start to fill out. Now motherfuckers is calling you Omar Epps, and you look, you know, you attractive, and it's down the third. And I'm like, bro, y'all wasn't just fucking with me. Y'all wasn't fucking with me, just you know what I'm saying? Like I was the African, I was fat, I was, I wasn't dressing like that, like you know what I'm saying? So you go into getting to a space to where it's like, okay, damn, it's all the work it takes for me to fuck myself without having a check. Like, damn. Like, 
Like, is this hard to fuck with yourself? Like, cause if I was re- if I was Ross walking around that bit butt ass nigga with my titties out, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh that nigga sexy as fuck. <laughs> Boy, you see that? I be look, I be joking about this shit. <laughs> I be joking about this shit, right? People like, and again, they go back to how we talk, right? Like the whole conventional attractiveness shit. Money make niggas more attractive. Why? And people don't ask that question. Why? Right? Money is power. It is clarity. Essentially, okay, but what is power? Right? Power the ability for you to uh, what power is the <laughs> what that damn shit to, to define whatever. Like the ability for you to essentially like encapsulate what it is for you to see a thing say I'm going to do a thing and actually like make it happen. And then on top of that, influence people to do said thing. Right. So the ability to influence and to make shit move outside of just yourself. Right. As a man, we were, as men, we were told that to be powerful in this country, you needed to get a certain level of attainment. You need to attain certain things to be powerful. Right. In real time, you study powerful men just to find out that at the end of when they was about to die, they was just like, man, fuck all that money. Like, you supposed to master yourself. All right? What, I be, what I'm realizing is, as I'm learning and growing and doing all these things, is like, we spend a lot of time, the patriarchy and capitalism is alive because capitalism wants you to believe that you're supposed to work to be who you are versus you just being who you are. <laughs> capitalism tells you you're supposed to go find a job and, and and be a part of that system and that system influences how you live your life versus like with Africans, the elders, you go, you come into this world knowing who you are, why you're here, the people that guide you and usher you into the world help you get, get your gifts together so that you can be the thing and then you do the thing inside of the system. You do what you're supposed to do inside the system. You don't just go inside the system and then find out who you are. That's working backwards. And I know I just went left, but that's just where that shit took me. Like, like you know what I'm saying? It'd be that type of shit, though. Like, when I, and I always go there when I think about relationships. Like, why can't we just be naked? Man? You know what I'm saying? Like, just be naked. Like, yeah, that's easier said than done. Exactly. You what find happened? somebody that's, like for me, right? I don't have a problem being, I guess, quote unquote, like naked with whoever I'm with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're that comfortable, and I ain't say I was perfect, y'all. I ain't perfect, <laughs> but I am comfortable with myself to show up how I want to show up. Yeah. So if I show up with somebody, sometimes it can make them comfortable or they may already be comfortable, but in other cases, <laughs> it makes them uncomfortable mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. fact that you show up so sure or you show up, you show up naked. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But some people still struggle with that because they're not able to do it for themselves. Think about it. It's so many of us that live our whole lives feeling like people are full of shit. Think about it. Like, especially working in the field, it's like, you know how many people don't trust people. Like, we genuinely do not trust people or fuck with people to actually do right by us. So when we find somebody genuinely in their body that does not want to cause us harm, or take something from us, or do wrong by us, or do right by us to get something. Like, it's like, shit, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, people, we get in our heads then, and then we start doing, like you said, the mental gymnastics, 
versus just being present and being like, oh shit, this may actually just be a good thing that I can experience because instead of experiencing it, what we do, man, this might be the one, man, this motherfucker, I don't know, man, this shit, you know what I'm saying? We start going into that picture around what it should be if it's good. Like, why do good things have to come like a dime a dozen? I mean, why do good things have to come like, you know, once in a blue moon? Like, why can't good things come a dime a dozen? Yeah. Like, in relationships, we be like, man, I ain't never gonna get the motherfucker that's gonna be like, it be like, scarcity, scarcity. But now everybody on the stock market and shit, like, talking about all this money. Y'all think, honestly, black folks, y'all really think it's more money than love out here, bro. Man, they don't. That's the thing. That is the they thing. Really do. They, they do. Really, I, do. I love y'all niggas, but y'all niggas really think it's more money than love out here, bro. That's the problem. Everybody, yeah, that, that's that's yeah. the big problem. There's more value <laughs> on the money piece than the spirit piece. Like for me, like I was saying in my live the other day, I'm like a man that is super rooted in a financial goal. I can respect a man that want to make yeah. moves. So I'm making my own yeah. moves too. I respect right. it. But right. a man that places his entire 100% value of right. who he is based solely on, on, on a capitalistic valuation, and there's right. absolutely no investment in the spiritual development or some type of um, growth or progress, I can't fool with that man. Right. Because our value systems are in the wrong place. Uh, well, I'm not going to say they're the wrong place. They don't align. Because for me, I'm like, my value comes from spirit first, which causes everything to manifest accordingly. If you're thinking money first and it just trickles down and then all of a sudden you'll be healed, we we automatically on two different pages. Yeah, yeah. And it it feels like that, though, like spiritual economics, right? What a lot of shit nigga be saying now, like in terms of, you know, relationships and how we doing it as black millennials, for real, for real, it's like, Niggas is, is getting these communities to make money, but it's, it always ends up being about interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. right? Everybody want to be a power couple and make money together and do different shit. Why? You don't want to make money. You just want a nigga that you can trust and fuck on and fuck with and have fun with. And make like, money with. Make money. <laughs> down the line. That's a bonus. We get money together. They, we only making money because these folks created this system that told us we had to make money. Man, that part. I learned this from a black woman, man. The, the land didn't say we had to pay for that shit. The air didn't say we had to pay for that shit. These folks said we had to pay for this shit. Facts. So we letting this shit actually deter how we actually meet love and show up with each other, man. That's the, that's the disease, bro. Now I had to step back. Like, I could have been a rich nigga first and then had to do all this work to heal. When I'm looking at my family and all this fucked up ass shit we was, we was born into. So it's like a lot of us, we be like, man, fuck out. This, this is my issue as a, as a, as a healer. Let me say, I can, I can vent with you. Y'all niggas stop feeling like you can come to me for a session or two when you have a, a blow up in your life or your relationship and think that these things that are triggering you that really look a whole lot like your childhood and your family that you all of a sudden just completely detached yourself from because you don't fuck with them folks and that's not a part of your life and it's that in the third and you keep on seeing shit pop up from your mama and your daddy and your all your, your guardians you're going to have to lean into what healing looks like completely it's going to be this reactive, let me put a Band-Aid on some shit, shit, until you fully integrate. And so at some point, I feel like Black folks, Black millennials specifically, we feel like we have the ability to do what white people do. And that's not how our blessings are set up. 
Stop talking about ancestor veneration when your people die, but she don't even call your mama and she live right down the street. You don't talk to your auntie now. You don't talk to your people. You don't go visit your, you don't visit nobody. Like, that shit's so fucking lazy to me. And we really be on Al Gore's internet acting like we healed and shit. When y'all will, with your same mouth, be like, oh, that's too toxic for me. Now I get, understand, I, I be telling folks, I'm never going to victim shame, but I realize for some of us, our sensitivities be tuned to frequencies that we don't know. You weren't raised in that sensitive ad culture that says that tough love is abuse. It's not abuse. Some shit ain't abuse. Some shit is you actually stepping outside of the child and you becoming the adult and holding yourself accountable for your shit that says that this is a, something I chose to do based off of my trauma, but I have the responsibility of healing my shit. Not detaching from my, I can't detach from my mama. My mama called me a heathen every day. I love the fuck out that woman. But if I said fuck her, then I would be over here hurting because that's not how my shit set up. And a lot of us be turning our backs on the healing that we need to actually find love in our life. Like you saying fuck them folks, but you need to sit with them folks and cry with them folks and heal so you can be happy. And that's all I got to say. <laughs> so let me make sure I get this clear because I know with these types of topics they can be sensitive and triggering yeah, for yeah. folks. So I know. Just for further clarification, I'm talking to you. Exactly. That's why for further clarification, just to make sure nobody gets this twisted. Even though you know if you choose to get it twisted, based on your own triggers, it is what it is. But come to my page. Come holler at me. <laughs> that too. But so basically, what it sounds like you're saying is you're more like, look, you cannot completely detach from something not work to heal from it and then wonder why this same stuff that you turned your back on is showing up in different situations because you detached but you've well, also ignored the fact that something has to heal first so you're gonna have to sit with like we said earlier the shadow to figure yeah. out what these pain points are how are they caused who are they caused by where is this coming from in order to heal from it even if it's with people or was given to you by people that you don't fool with no more you still have to heal from it or else you're going to keep dealing with it over and over. And you can't wonder why. Because at this point, you're choosing to ignore the healing that needs to be done. You're choosing to detach and ignore, which is still sinking further into shadow. Absolutely. And then you're choosing to act like that may not be a factor as Absolutely. to why things are showing up the way they are. I just want to make sure I heard that clear. Yes, yes. And, you know, there's, um, I want to say, Minnie Ma on Instagram. She's a, a dope um, a dope astrologer. And it was a, a post she talked about. It was about ancestral, but basically like karmic, basically generational karmic um, work that a lot of us are having to do on behalf of our parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents. And the idea that, you know, they have the whole like the sins of the father would be cast on to the son, the whole like generational curse shit. From a perspective standpoint, I really want the people that are listening. I know a lot of us that have gone through, I mean, again, we can talk all day about pain. Like, that's something I know very intimately and well. So I speak this to my people because I will cry with you, not at you. I'm not talking at you. I'm not talking down on you. I cry with you, right? I, I hurt with you. So to sit with the fact that there are some things that in real time it takes for you to walk into. I, it took me for me to become a father before before I could actually fully see my father. It took for me to walk into spaces where I was compromising my own integrity and moral compass and moral code because I was that low for me to see how a moment can become a lifetime if you never heal from that moment. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? 
Like, it was a moment in my life that legit for the past four years has tried to become my whole life. And I had to work through not allowing that to become my whole life. Because how I coped in that moment was in a way that saw me really legit. I lost my best friend. I lost my father. I lost my partner. I lost my daughter. I lost my job. I lost the community I was in. I don't know where the fuck I'm at. What the fuck is going on? How do I cope? Who am I? Like, all of those things. And that's a lot of us. Right? So it's kind of looking at, like, okay, can I sit with the fact that it's some shit right here that life, if God give, you know, if I'm granted with the ability to keep living, like old folks say, just keep living, baby. Like, just keep living, right? <laughs> the more I keep living, the more I'm realizing, like, damn, man, I'm mad prematurely like a motherfucker. Like, I'm mad as hell for no reason. I'm mad. I'm talking about mad, man. I almost beat up my daddy, man. I wrote about that shit in my book, like, like real hands. Like, it took my dad to die, to transition, and for me to learn who he was before he met me at the age of 36. Like, people forget your parent met you at the age they were at. So it's like, before me, he had a whole life. I was his first son. That was traumatic for him. I didn't know why it was traumatic for him until he did, until he transitioned. But it be shit like that when your niggas be like, man, fuck that nigga. Fuck my, like, we be having real, we be saying it with our chest about shit that is like, nah, my boy, calm down. Like, your anger is stopping you from actually the gift of healing and the gift from feel of feeling. Our, our orgasms be locked up in the healing we don't do. I'm going to tell y'all that again. I'm going to say that again. Our orgasms be locked up in the healing that we don't have and no dealing that we don't do. Talk. Talk. Real Talk shit. to both. Real shit. For real. Because people think about like the erotic, right? The erotic essentially is your ability to be able to tap into like all your ability to feel your emotional bandwidth, right? So feeling good, like feeling high, like the idea of like having to take drugs to be to, to feel. <laughs> people take to either feel more or feel less, right? So the idea of the erotic and what happens when you get in that state, sex is the only thing that really produces a state that really takes you to another place. Right. You feel some more shit. <laughs> right. And so you're vulnerable. Your body's in that vulnerable state. What other things and emotions make you feel like that? Intense anger, intense grief, intense sadness, intense pain, intense, you know, what I'm saying joy, intense, whatever. And a lot of our trauma that we don't want to go there because the floodgates are open up in terms of how we feel. But the tears will start falling and they won't stop. We wonder why when we get in emotions or places in relationships where we feel really, really safe and really, really vulnerable, that we be like, oh, nope, I ain't going there. You wonder why when it feels good, you stop. It's like because it's scary. Because the last time you felt good was with your people or with that person that hurt you the worst. All right? You feel that safe with that man because you felt that safe with your pops. But your pops really like, Whatever, you feel that safe with that woman just like you feel that safe with your mom. But mom Dukes really always put these nigga before you. All right, you know what I'm saying? Or did whatever. Mom Dukes showed you that it was about a chick when she really loved you, but she was like, shit, you gotta be a man now, so I gotta get some money from you. All right? It's a lot of a lot of reasons and ways that we don't connect one thing to another thing. And that's what I do. Like that's what this sex therapy shit and, and this modality is about. Can you connect the dots? As to why your pain feel good when it feel good. I love getting angry and mad. I'm beating nigga ass. We love parts of our avatar, right? But the other part is like, I don't fuck with that shit. Nah, I don't want that pain. But that's the pain you need to grow. 
that pain is the fuck shit that's gonna have your ass still stuck in that same cycle. The pain you don't want is the pain that's gonna heal you. Right. Right. This has been that's such be, a good discussion. That's why I be fucked up. My, and I had to come and talk, man. Look, we got. I got to come and talk with you. You know what I'm saying? Like about this, this stuff. I can't talk about this shit with everybody on every platform. You know what I'm saying? Because I really, because your people listen to you, <laughs> and I'm hoping that they're hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> like that in real time. Like it's our job. It's our job to investigate and interrogate as much as we can. I'm not saying go fuck with them toxic ass folks. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> if you if you don't need to. But what I will say that stop coming to me with all this air in your chest like I'm the one that did it when in real time you still fucked up about it. So can we learn something from it? Like, folks be coming to therapy like you don't want to deal, but what, what are you here for? Yeah, I think that's a good expectation. As somebody who's also um, trying to become a therapist myself, I'm just like, and and also from a spiritual standpoint, because you know the type of work we do, it doesn't necessarily fit within the Eurocentric mode because of the fact that we do have a want to help our people. So I respect it because a lot of things you do have to kind of take in, like Granny say, eat the eat the meat, spit out the bones. So, you know, it's a lot of bone spitting that we do with this work. But one thing that I do want to make sure that people understand with um, with therapy in general is that it really is about connecting dots and doing the work. It really is. It's like, it doesn't, right. It doesn't, it's counterproductive to sit with somebody and think that they're going to give you the answer mm. when they're only going to go after off of what you tell them. They can't go off. Of ne- well, so energy is one thing. You. Thank you. Right. Thank like in terms of being definitive with what you may need to be working with or working through, there has Thank to be a level of trust even and Thank openness you. and vulnerability Thank and being naked, so to speak. Thank you. With the people that you want to help you connect the dots. I think, again, with the problem with social media spirituality is that we think that uh, everybody is mind readers. There may be some that could do that. A lot of people can't. Let's keep that a foul. So even, you can't. Ooh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. So even if you sit with somebody, until you speak and give life to what that is, you, you're still going to be stuck. And this comes from somebody who has sat in some therapist chairs. You feel me? Uh, it had to so- be naked. And I, I'm sure we can keep talking about this on more, you know, other conversations we have. But like, you know, as I transition and people to see on my page, you know, y'all follow me. Um, I'm transitioning into just that, the integrated healing, right? Where it's tapping into my intuitive gifts. Because just like you said, you are the you are the captain of your life and your ship. If you calling on me, then you basically just need a co-captain to be able to help you through muddy waters. But essentially, you're still driving this motherfucking boat, right? (laughs) And my job is only to help you navigate waters that you're not familiar with navigating, but it's all you. So if you're not able to be in that water and be present to what's happening, then I can't help you navigate some shit that you can't see. But if you see it and you intentionally don't want to bring it up and I'm here connecting dots and I'm up here and I'm like, hold on, something ain't this what led me to sex therapy. Because with most of my a lot of my people, I'm like, something's missing. You're still fucked up, but you're telling me this is good. This is good. This is good. I'm like, ah, we ain't talking about you. We ain't talking about your sex life. We ain't talking about that shit. Like, that's what it was. I'm like, oh, okay. Working with women, I realized that I had to be more forthcoming and be like, all right, so what about, you know what I'm saying? Like, where, where, what is your, this is how I had to lead into this. I'm like, what is your, play, what is your relationship with pleasure? Right? 
and I started to go into like, and, and with a lot of my clients now, I'm thankful now that I'm actually getting people that want to specifically talk to me about their sex life. And I'm like, I, I'm, I love it because for me, it was like I had to, as a therapist and a clinician for people that are clinicians listening, like naturally that's not something that people want to talk about unless they just one of them type people that like to talk about sex. So for you, you have to sometimes step out of your own comfort zone to go reach to the core of the issue and ask all the questions around like, all right, who you letting in at three o'clock in the morning when you don't know you need, when you know you don't need it. And that's when motherfuckers started talking, talking like. Because that's what they want to talk about the whole time. They they just don't feel comfortable. That's what they want to talk about anyway. Right? Not all this personal, professional, I got anxiety. Like, nigga, you fucked up because you getting that good dick, but that nigga is not showing up in no other way. And you over here feeling all the feels and you don't know what to do. Let's and talk you now. now we, him energetically now, on top of that. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. now we can talk. <laughs> yeah. By yeah. the way, y'all, just so if some of y'all may not know, since sex is such an energy exchange, you might be thinking you're getting a one-off. You might be thinking it might be a one-night, two-night, a week-night, a summer fling. Y'all are bonded. So... Oh, yeah. See, y'all niggas ain't cleansing y'all selves. That so too. Telling- that too. You know? Y'all... Yeah. So, I'm just saying, man, look, I always tell y'all, because y'all grown, I always say, you grown, you're going to do what you want to do. The only thing that I just want to put on y'all brain is that that you should probably discern who you should be sleeping with. All good, all dick ain't good dick, all good dick (laughs) ain't coming from good people. You know what I'm saying? And that goes vice versa for, for, uh, for women or whoever else you're sleeping with. Like, the the pleasure that you're coming from, like or you're getting from that person, it may feel good on the short term, but you yeah. still gotta deal with the energy of what of what came with that on the back end. You know what I'm saying? Like it's always a front end and or back end cost. It just determines on how the situation determines how you gonna shoulder that cost. So if a person can can have sex with you and, and rock your world and do all this other stuff, but yet they have a lot of issues they're dealing with. You gonna see that at some point. Yeah. If you keep dealing with them, it's gonna show up. Facts, and it may show up in your shit. Yeah, and it's probably and what's good to us is not always good for us men specifically. Like that pussy feel amazing. Like, and not even just that. Like we can talk about real talk. Talk about that pleasure feels amazing, right? Not even mm-hmm. just that. Pussy. Like whatever you, however you receiving your pleasure. Like, and I think that's something too. On another, like more shit we can talk about around black men and why we be so fucked up because the way we receive our pleasure is a lot of shame and guilt and how we receive pleasure first man off. don't get me started on it because some a I lot of black men i know started under the age of it's like 12 niggas, to 30 niggas, 12 to 15 I started fucking at 12 like I, you know as i be telling niggas like that is your child right your child <laughs> and, right but physically our bodies were becoming men right especially those of us who were athletes like so Thinking about like the abuse that's happened that we don't talk about. Like I had friends that fucked our teachers in middle school. Like, and it's stuff that, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so it's stuff that like was normal for us back then, but we were the hypersexualized, like young niggas that was running the streets. You know what I'm saying? So for me to understand that reality and then to see how we all have transitioned into adulthood and to see how that, how that, like, yeah, I can show you how the niggas I was with. You'd be like, all right, it makes sense. <laughs> like my best friends, like, and how they live and what they do. And it's, it's no shame to, it's nothing. I love them to death. All of the people I came from, but it's realizing that like, yeah, that lifestyle is it's not a lifestyle that looks sustainable for us. 
And it's one that doesn't see us taking care of ourselves, specifically sexually. You know what I'm saying? Because we are taught that we are supposed to, you know, manhood for us is about the acquisition of property. And that includes women. And that includes black bodies. That includes bodies, period. All right? No matter how I possess you or own you, you still up under me. And that right there is the reason why I feel like we really don't have access to our pleasure in full. Because if it's about the orgasm and the climax, then you won't appreciate the ride or the journey. And nothing else ever, nothing else matters. It's all about the conquest, the kill. That's that white folk shit. That's that white man shit. That white male shit. <laughs> like, that tells you it's about the conquest, about the kill. Like, even how we say murder that pussy, murder that pussy, kill that shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on. You feel me? It be just, it be small shit when I think about, like, <laughs> it ain't, it ain't, it ain't experience that pussy. It ain't, <laughs> it ain't nurture that pussy. It ain't none of that. <laughs> Not care about the person who has <laughs> that. It's just... Exactly. The one that it's attached to, right? Right. Just focus on this one thing. <laughs> you feel me? Just take care of it. Nah, come on. Like, and we, and we wonder why we, where we at. So, you know, some shit in practice, like, and I'm not finna be lazy and blame the music or the art. Nigga, we've been talking shit since the beginning of time. It's a, it's an ethic that goes beyond, it goes back to, like, this shit. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's an ethic that holds niggas to a certain code. And that code, when whitewashed, becomes, you know, what we think trap shit is or hood shit. And it's like, nah, that's white folks' version. Like, we had ethics. Like, we come from a place of ethics. Niggas ain't like this. We are like this in capitalism, yeah. Because capitalism doesn't tell you that as a black man, you're a man. You're not. Like, it tells you that you are less of, less than. And to be a man, you got to be like a white man. Like, capitalism, capitalism did not, has never validated my masculinity of food. And my blackness and my community has validated my masculinity, validated my power. The white folks done told me too, because every time I get in their spaces, they keep me up out that bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's like, shit, they love me still. I still be invited to come back. <laughs> I just can't live there. You know what I'm saying? Because it's too much. So when I know that, it's like, okay, for all of us, it's like, why do we keep uh, ascribing our, our, our masculinity to whiteness? And don't, and even to the point of, and we're going to talk about this on another time. Don't let a woman or anybody outside of you tell you what your version of masculinity is. They Thank not living you. those. They not living your life, my nigga. Can't no woman come over here and tell me what the fuck I done had. No, can't nobody. Period. <laughs> Specifically, but and and to the men that are listening, I need you to feel me what I'm saying because that be the energy that a lot of these niggas take to the internet and start talking down on. Them. Like, yeah, hold the energy, my nigga. Like, yeah, I feel you when you in terms of women coming and saying this and this and like well, that's law. Like, nah. But in real term, you feeling that ain't for you to go in turn be the person and shit on these women that you like, like what? Like, no, nigga, it's for you to actually learn from, sit with and emphatically in your space be like, this is who I am as a man. It ain't got shit to do with you validating me. You can come over here and fuck with me if you want to. If not, I ain't hurting you, so go ahead on. I'm glad you said that because I've talked a lot over the past month and a half about, at least to, to my women audience, to not let people outside of our experience try to tell us what feminine is. Because, fool, you know, you already know. <laughs> it always be some little, some little insecure son yeah. over there that want to tell me every now and then. I don't get it often, but when I do, I make a great marketing um, well, opportunity. I tell people all the time, you engage with me, I'm going to use you for free marketing. Why run an ad if I can screenshot this conversation that you over here trying to tell me about myself in these comments and show them why I do the work I do? We could do, we could do that. But... Okay. 
And I'm going to have a good mood. I'm going to be in a good mood. I'll have a good day. I'll be laughing the whole time. It's nothing because it's marketing. It's good. It lets me flex what I do. But sometimes Ben will say, oh, and again, this is based off what just is seen on social media. Oh, you're not feminine. You're too powerful. You're this. You're that. And I'm trying to tell people, like, let them think what they think, but keep, don't let them get to the point where they're influencing how you move now because some man has told you you're not soft enough because he needs you to actually break yourself to be more palatable. Now you're going to be second guessing yourself saying, dang, am I too hard? Now I will say this. There was a person who I knew that challenged me yesterday, respectfully, off record, that I know. And he actually, oops, he actually put a comment when I said that I'm not hard. I was like, I'm not hard. I'm not this. I'm not that. And dude had put under my shot to Badru. Badru actually put in my uh, comments, yes, you are hard. Now, I know Badru. I didn't feel no kind of way about it. But he called me right afterwards and said, hey, we got to talk about this. Long story short is, he said, look, man. He's like, I know you for some time now. He's like, I see you are hard. He's like, but you hard in a way that's feminine. He's like, I see the different levels of power that you exert. And I see that you are cognizant of your power and you move within that very fluidly. He's like, I see how you are when you with other people. I see how you are when you're around other men. I see how you are when you talk to your audience. I see how you are when you're around your dude. He's like, I've seen that. And he's like, you know, so a lot of these people that try to say you're hard, they don't even see that the type of man that you deal with out of respect for that man, you still are powerful, but in the same way, you hold your power in your own way. You allow him to do what he does in his own way. He's like, you hard. He's like, you know, he said hard. Being hard is like knowing your power and moving within the different levels of that. He's like, so honestly, Maria, yeah, you are hard. And when I heard that definition, I was like, you know what? I can actually accept that. But I can't accept the the hardened, oh, you're trying to let me hold my nuts. Like, I'm not that type. So, uh -huh. but when he said that, I was like, okay, all right, Badru, I can respect that. I, if that's if that's what you think is hard in terms of understanding your power and when to use it, when not to use it, when to exert it, when to hold off, when to let somebody take the reins, things like that. Because contrary to popular belief, y'all, I don't want a man that I can walk over. I don't respect men that I, I can quote unquote walk over. The goal is yeah. to never walk over a man. It's yeah. about respecting a person for who they are and their and their autonomy to move within their own, you know, free will, volition, what have you. So when I deal with men, I do prefer a man that is strong in his own power to where not only is he not threatened by mine, he's able to move accordingly. Like mm -hmm. I I can I can give I can I can be cool. Like it's not about trying to, yeah, nigga, I'm just yeah. I'm not like that at all. I'm not trying to strong arm nobody's son. Like I'm really calm. And that and that's what makes me realize like a lot of people <laughs> make assumptions. Going back to what we talked about earlier. Assumptions. Because if you see me in the street with a person that I'm seeing, and if you've lived in LA, you might have seen it, you would know the type of person. Yeah. That I take company with, and you would know that they already extra powerful in their own right. That I don't have to go check them or demasculate them or emasculate them or whatever. I don't have to do that. So, so I don't, anyway, it, I'm sorry. Go it, ahead. It, you, no, you good. You just hit it right. Perception versus reality, right? Like we live in real life, like where in real life rough, hard women get dicked down and loved on by, by men every single fucking... Hello. And like, we're soft. I, and we're you. soft. And vulnerable. Soft and trusting. As fuck and, and gentle. And nurturing. And, 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 I, and, and as I'm hearing you, you know, I would like to, you know, challenge even, you know, just people listening, the idea of hard 
less about hard as I'm thinking as you were talking. I'm like, that to me feels as you're talking like heat. It feels like hot, right? And as I was sitting there with my lighter, I'm like, like a flame. A flame, nigga, I, I, I work with fire all day. I'm about to go grill in a minute. You start the motherfucker off in the fire, nigga, it's gonna, you're gonna start that bitch off. It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's actually gonna start off and it's gonna be, it's gonna be big as fuck, yep. right? Fire, and we talking about the feminine, that's why people don't really know this shit, the feminine and the masculine, like the energies, right? In terms of like, the, people understand, especially masculine, like study astrology, study tarot, study, you know what I'm saying? Study the elements, study, you know, like uh, emotional intelligence has to do with you realizing how all of our innate personality and behavior, how it manifests. So you ascribing some shit to a woman as it being hard has less to do with her, you know, masculinity and a lot more to do with her femininity and the fire that you feel that you may not be able to handle because your ability to handle a flame and what that looks like. Because a fire, a, a small fire can warm you, it can heat you, it can be cute, it can be some shit that's just on a candle, that, you know what I'm saying, like, that for the air, for that little space, or you tip that little motherfucker over, and it catch hold of some more shit, and it grow, and it get bigger, and it don't get contained, and it's you can't get, no. <laughs> don't burn everything goddamn down, right? We don't be talking about the shit the right way. Like, it ain't hard that you feel. The masculine hard that you think is hard is that grounded energy. It's that energy that says, like, this is an immovable object, my nigga. <laughs> like, it ain't too much shit you finna do that's gonna shape me over here. That's the hard shit you feel. What you feel from my friend Maria <laughs> here, people, is a lot of fire. Fire! <laughs> And it's fine that only few certain niggas, certain people can really like in this. Again, it goes back to the heat. If you get close up on that heat, you're going to feel the flame, right? So intimacy looks like at what level do you need to keep people back and away from the flame that you know that you are? So awareness and doing the work to integrate is a lot of people think they a small flame, but you just humongous ass flame. And you get in intimate situations with people and then your, your, your heat burn folks. And you don't know why. Because you haven't integrated the shit that's in the shadows into, you see what I'm saying? It's like all the, not just the flame that you like, but the flame that come out when you tired. When you go to Cancun and this girl's trip and the shit y'all don't tell niggas when y'all come back to the States. Man, you know what I'm saying? Like, all that shit. Like, <laughs> I don't know nothing about those trips, bro. Oh, I know. I look, man. I, look, I, be tell, I, I appreciate my clients be telling me the truth. Oh, I, oh, I don't be yeah, those girls. Actually, I'm overdue for one, but... Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's just, I go there, okay. Look, it, I mean, just not even that, right, specifically, but it's just, again, the shit that you're not going to tell your therapist. Yeah. Like, I make this money, and I, again, the emotion of I deserve. What does I deserve get us into? Like, I deserve love. I deserve this. I deserve a man. I deserve. I hear that. Shit. I see that shit so fucking much. Like, <laughs> I be tired of shit. Why you deserve some shit? Why? <laughs> In the story of your life, you feel like right. You deserve this pleasure that you think you need for your development. When you ain't even tapped into the pain to heal and grow, but you but you deserve to feel good. That reminds me of this Smokey Robinson song. For those that who follow like my Instagram, y'all know I love Mr. Smokey Robinson. He's my elder crush, but he's so fine. He's, he's <laughs> oh, he's so fine. <laughs> but, anyway, but he had this song that came out a long time ago. I think like the 1974, something like that. And it was called The Agony and the Ecstasy. 
And I remember playing that song because, again, like my, you know, I'm a music head, so I've been listening to a lot of older stuff since I was a little girl. But I remember like the song was basically saying, uh, I don't know, I think the song was more so about him dealing with the woman who was attached, or maybe he was attached. But I remember a particular line was like, a love of ours is never ever free. The place the agony with the ecstasy or something like that. And, it's, mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize that you can even have agony with ecstasy. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Even back Absolutely. then, I was like, wow, why is that why does love have to be painful? Oh and I realized that, like mm-hmm. it's not painful, so to speak, but it's when you don't deal with stuff. Thank you. Accountability can be painful if you got secrets and you hide and shit, right? Yeah. And back then, they were talking about them secrets that they had to really keep in the closet. Like, you know what I'm saying? This love is forbidden, baby. We're not supposed to be doing this, right? You know right. what I'm saying? I can't, I ain't really supposed to be over here. I really ain't supposed to feel like this, right? right? Like, we still living like that. But in real time, it's like, it's causing us the disease. Our ancestors didn't go through what they went through for us to be still doing this dumb shit. There we go. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> like... That's why I be wanting to have real conversations with people about shit. Like, we be fighting shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? I ain't finna scream up and down about monogamy or polyamory or any of the igamies. Because, nigga, we don't do none of this shit right. Man, <laughs> like, you better say that. This is all unethical. This right. Can it's we be all... friends? Can we be friends? Can we Can we get a, 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 a collective definition on decency? It's right? real. On how we, and I feel like on an ethical code of conduct between how we deal with each other across sexes, like, goddamn. Like, I know you trying to fuck, fuck something, my nigga, but can you actually act like it's a human being on the other end of this pleasure? Like, that'd be the shit I'd be on with niggas. It's like, nigga, slide how you slide. Fuck who you fuck. But at, be decent and act like it's a person on the other end of this shit, even if you don't want the world to know. Like... You know what I'm saying? Like, I done had to sit in space with niggas. I'm like, niggas, y'all be shamed to death and then go do dumb shit and hurt people because you don't want people to know who you fuck. Like, that shit wild. It's like my nigga treat people right and you maybe you won't have to worry about this shit. Like, I feel you being up front too because sometimes people don't want to keep it real and then all of a sudden it's like, well, why didn't you just tell them? Well, I yeah. didn't think, it's almost like give people what's, like, give it up. You feel me? Like, give yeah. up what, what you got going on and yeah. then let people make the choice. Because I think, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's the ethical piece. It's like if you're not yep. even gonna keep it a buck and and be forthcoming with what's going on or be honest about it when asked, it's like you already starting off wrong. You already seen Thank this cycle in motion for some BS you. now because that person Thank is dealing with you based on what you show because they're trusting and vulnerable, Thank but yet you holding back. You automatically y'all automatically not even on the same frequency. Thank Stop saying you can't trust folks when you come into the situation line, like and you don't got to. Like, it'd be really basic shit with us. You know what I'm saying? Like, the niggas had to put in practice. It's like, we lie by default. And it'd be so easy because we just have been taught that we can't trust people with our actual selves. And it's like, you feel like you can't trust somebody with your shit because you ain't own your trauma. So you can't share it with nobody because you feel like they're going to use it to hold it over your head. But how can you hold some shit over my head that I own? This is this my shit, nigga. <laughs> can't tell my story better than me. That's why I wrote a book back then. Like, nigga, when this shit blow. Ain't nobody finna tell my story, nigga. Like, I'm finna talk about this shit myself. Like, finna tell my own daughter why I was fucked up. <laughs> like, I ain't doing that. Like, fucking, like, I didn't even say, you can't spray me with my own teeth. Like, no. Can't. You feel me? But it go back to, like, you know, again, the, the, the healing we, the, again, the healing we delay, the healing we don't lean into, it prevents us from our pleasure. The pain we don't opt into, that's a choice for us to opt into, that prevents us from accessing our pleasure. Like, 
you realize that even in sex and in certain positions and certain situations, like you got to go through a little pain to get to that ultimate pleasure sometimes. Like, and that's part of like that slowing down process, that breathing process, being present. You know what I'm saying? Like, but a lot of that shit don't happen because we weren't conditioned to do that. Just go climax, nigga. Like, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, your dick is the star of the show. Like, yeah, nah, it's a whole body attached to this shit. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Your life is about your, your dick and its pleasure. Then what is your life? Basically, like, a slave to your to your genitals. There you go, a slave, a slave, right? And that's how we move in relationship and don't know it. And that's the part where it's like it's hard because that requires work, my nigga. Like that requires some work to undo that shit. And we be knee deep in the patriarchy, and by the time we realize that we on a deacon board, and now we got to be, you know, 50, 60 years old telling these young niggas how they need. You was a whole whore. Shut up. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can tell you, like, get your ass out of my face. Not a deacon boy. Look, I ain't trying to hear that old ass, old ass redemption song. Like, I be, I be telling niggas, like, even back then, I remember when Jay-Z came out with this shit, like, when he was talking about mental health and different shit, and I fucked with it. You know, I was like, you know, that's what's up. My nigga went to therapy. But I'm sitting here looking at this shit, I'm like, but Jay Z a cool forty five. I think he was with forty four. I think that was around he came out with that forty four shit. I'm like this nigga forty four years old, bro. At the time I was like maybe thirty. <laughs> I said you mean to take me? Gonna take me another fifteen years to goddamn like sit with myself? <laughs> fifteen years and a plethora of money to be like you know what? I too am hurt. <laughs> I too. Yeah. I, I too am a, a victim of this shit. <laughs> I, I too maybe need to process some of this trauma that forces me to come out here and create this avatar that is known as Jay-Z. I might need to sit with my shit. You mean to tell me that black men all across the world feel like we got to go do that before we heal? I mean, I had an elder once about eight years ago. No, about nine, close to nine or 10 years ago. Yeah. He was older. I think he was like 54. And um, he was like, hey, say, baby, you're beautiful. Um, you got a boyfriend? At the time, I did. And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, how old is he? And I told him, and I said, you know, he said, oh, he's around your age. I said, yeah. He says, you know, he's not, he's not grown yet. And I said, yeah, he is. He's over 21. He's like, no, he's not. He said, most men do not grow up until they're 45. And I looked at him. He must have caught the look on my face. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, baby, I'm 50-ish. Like, I just got into my 50s, and I feel more grown now than mm-hmm. I did when I was making babies getting married at 28. Mm-hmm. And I kind of sat with that, and I kind of was like, so what you saying? He's like, I'm not saying your man ain't a good man. I'm just saying your yeah. man is not much. He's not arrived yet. He's like, you, he's like, your mind, however, he's like, I can already tell. Your mind is different. Also, because you're a woman, he's like, and again, this is his opinion, and I took mm-hmm. what it was. He was like, you know, as women, y'all are already there. We have to catch up with y'all. And even if y'all tell us, even if y'all cry in front of us, even if y'all beg us, even if y'all have our babies, even if y'all marry us, until we get it, we gonna keep doing the same shit, mama. So basically, he was like, so I'm just letting you know, you can do whatever you want to do with the information. If you plan on building with this man, you gonna have to wait for him to grow up. Yep. And I was like... Excuse me? (laughs) Like, what? And then he said, you know, unless you date an older man. But he said, but at the same time, you got to be careful with that, too, because older men 
Sometimes yeah. they want younger women and, and you know, yeah. they might want, they, they may want yeah. whatever. They may want a good time. They may want your wound. They may want your energy to keep them young. You just never know. And I was just like, where did this man come from to talk yeah. to me about this? Because we talked yeah. about, about at my job, because he had my job talking this. Yeah. He talked like an hour. Yeah. So he was just like, yeah, like he's like, even with my wife, I've been married to my wife for almost like, you know, about 20 years or so. He's like, I did her extra dirty. He's like, and I, and I regret it. They always say back then, you know, you just didn't, he said he didn't see it. But he's like, now that he's in his early 50s, he's like, damn, like I really could have lost my family 10 times over. I, I really was moving like a little boy in my 30s. And Hear me. I was like, wow. This so is, this, yeah, this is the patriarchy, though. Like, right. we talking about successful niggas. We talking about niggas like lawyers, doctors, like all y'all niggas, all my niggas that went to school, you know, all my niggas is degree to fuck up, engineers, making, making 100, making 200. Like, you know what I'm saying? Niggas be out here whole boys until they a cool 50. Yeah. Right? And people understand with black folks, we ain't on the same time as these white folks, man. You have a whole nother. My uncle went, my uncle started his family at 42. Like, and my dad, brother, went back to Nigeria and started his family at the age of 42. Like, got three kids. We got kids the same age. So for me, it's just like a living testimony to understand, like, why are we in such a rush for one? Right, because we but we all know we can have kids when it's time for us to have kids because black people can do that. Two, in real time, is looking at like I don't know with the outside of the absence, like outside of money. You know what I'm saying? You got to really have to ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's the thing, man. Like in real time, I've sat with enough people to know that the pain that we all collectively share isn't one that we all collectively talk about or discuss. And the money that we seek is in some way, shape or form for a lot of people just used to actually cope with the pain. So it's like, I get it, but are you even really like doing anything with the pain? It's just like with drugs and sedatives, it's like, you can do, you can take all this shit, but are you dealing with the root course of the pain? You can take, you can take pain pills. The pain pills just tell your brain it don't hurt. It don't fix your actual wound. <laughs> or you can go do therapy and actually go do some physical therapy and get the muscles stronger and shit. And you know what I'm saying? Like do, do, do shit that's going to actually make it better. Right. And I think that's that shit, man. Where it's like, yeah, we would much rather lean into what we feel. Cause again, at 28, 30, you're a man, you're grown. I had to talk to my uncle for him to realize, like, you know, I got a younger brother. I be on him about, I be on hard on him about stuff. But he's like, be easy with your younger brother. Like, and it took for him to tell me that, for me to realize even with myself, it's like, yeah, I was, I was pushed out here. I was, I was, I was taking care of shit at the age of five, six years old in the house and having to do, man, you know, assume certain things. But realizing, like, even in that, like my process was sped up and I didn't like the fact that my process was sped up because I wasn't prepared. Still like, you know, still preparing myself for certain things in my life. And I'm very transparent about that. But it's like, it's parts of my life that's grown as fuck, being grown, I'm an old ass man in some areas. But I knew when I was becoming a father that I was still a child in others. I had never paid my all my bills on time. I had never taken care of myself to the extent that my, you know, baby mama had. I had never done certain shit. I'm 25, 26, but I'm like, I didn't grow up the way you grew up with the parents you grew up with. Like this ain't my norm. So like you saying, like it takes a lot of us to that point to realize what harm is. If you've been told that all you got to do is go get a job, make the money, come home and everything else will be 
swept under the rug. That's what a lot of niggas is told. Go make some money and take care of shit. And you can do anything you want. The way I look at it now is like, when that man told me that, that was when the conversation around mental health, especially with men, was not a welcoming conversation. So now it's like hearing, telling the story again, it's like, I wonder what that is now. Because I feel like if the if the issue was lack of accountability or lack of processing trauma, lack of awareness of trauma, lack of whatever, it's like, is it really this, the advice to me, I don't think it's going to still be the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the maturity or the growth or the work or the progress, the development can happen much sooner if only we had spaces that were more welcoming. Yeah, capitalism, and it goes back to community, right? Because in real time, and then what I've seen, I've seen Black women take care of each other when they were hurt. I've seen Black women run to each other's support and care. Black men, we don't love each other the way in which Black women do in real time. So the idea that in a lot of the spaces and the margins that you still get that, like, again, screw niggas, you see that when niggas talk about bromances and shit, like a lot of times, because niggas can be vulnerable with niggas that they in the mud with, right? So you can be vulnerable with your brother if he understands the same pain you you feeling. But it's hard for us to empathize with women when we don't see them as going through the same things we go through, if not more, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's some of that, that dis- I think that disconnect there. Um, but I think, yeah, it's it's... It's yeah, it's it's just really it's it's really being able to 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 sit with like how we how we process pain, man. Like our relationship to pain and our relationship to to each other and 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 how we learn from each other. You know what I'm saying? Like this shit is this shit is it's hard, it's a hard conversation to have, I think, for people. Because we would much rather, like, again, like you said, the social media therapy, the meme therapy. It's easier to to argue about some shit versus understand, listen, understand. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't, if, I, I don't, if I just want to be right, I ain't trying to have what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's the problem. Everybody wants to be the savior. Everybody wants to be the one with the solution. The one. Yeah. The sole one. Their oh, way no. is the way, truth, and the light. Anything else is just absolutely incorrect. But then we keep going into this 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 cycle of just talk no action talk no action talk no action division no action division no action so it's like at some point we have to keep it a thou you know what i'm saying and that's like i said it's harder for a lot but yeah i think certain people are getting close to that like you know what i mean like i feel like this instead of trying to save a whole community right i'm just like save yourself first Mm -hmm. save yourself first Save those around you. That's too much work, though. I know. So you'd rather just take on the burden of what? Everybody is. of people? Absolutely. <laughs> right? That's what patriarchy convinces us that is open. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Patriarchy convinces us that, like, yeah, it, that we can't actually... Yeah, patriarchy... <laughs> Yeah, what, hold on, man. You just messed me up. What were we just talking about? Uh, we talking about how people want to save an entire tens, hundreds, yeah. millions of people, but don't want to save themselves. There you, there you go. There you go. Patriarchy have a lot of us going to school and getting degrees and doing shit for the for the white people. That's that white shit. White savior shit. Oh my god, it's horrible. I can save the world, nigga. No, no, you can save yourself. And in saving yourself, you can be a model for people to live a certain type of life and that can emanate and send ripples and chains and waves and all that shit. Jesus Christ was not a Christian. He was Jesus Christ. But that's all another conversation. 
I be telling niggas in practice, you do you. What comes from it is the living word of how you live in your life. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not up here saying certain shit about myself. The community vet me. If you don't think I know what I'm talking about, add folks that <laughs> fuck with me, right? And again, it goes back to with black men and certain shit. We just be listening to niggas because it look like patriarchy. It looks like they they know what the fuck they talking about because like they went in patriarchy. And we all know nothing else. Don't nothing else. Who the fuck was Derek Jackson working with? Who the fuck was he like? Who was he in community with? Who was any of these niggas like? Again, a womanist ethic, right? Black women. Like, who are you sorting? Who are you citing? Who do you get this from? Where did it come from? Like, you know what I'm saying? Who said that this was okay? And again, if you're talking about shit, is it your pain that you helping people heal from, or you use other people's pain, like to build your platform? Like, yeah, you can't build a foundation on other people's shit. Like that's fuck nigga shit. <laughs> a lot of these niggas be on, man. <laughs> like that, and I, and I see we're in an age where a lot of that stuff is coming to light. It's like yeah. if you're not keeping it real about what you've gone through, people yeah. gonna find out either way. Or got receipts. Right. right. And I was actually talking to um to one of my girls uh today, well last night and today, about the difference between privacy and secrecy. Yeah. So I'll yeah. be doing a podcast episode about that very soon because I feel like there is a there's nothing wrong with being a private person. And yeah. honestly, secrets to a degree, I can kind of maybe sort of understand why, but a lot of times the secrets and the intention of how that's kept is not always the most ethical. And that's, that's what makes it wrong. So well, I'm definitely going to be talking about that in the next few days or so after this podcast airs. That's um, right. But yeah, but before I kind of you grilling and, you know, you got people, you know, can coming yeah. through. But is there no. anything else that you want people to know about wine wool <laughs> or the child therapist or anything else? Man, honestly, um, I just, yeah, follow me on Instagram at the trap therapist underscore. Um, if anything, um, I got some dope projects on the way. About to re-release my book, King Without a Crown. Um, it's King Without a Crown Volume 2. And so I basically, you know, the first book was, you know, kind of self-help autobiography, touching on who I am and just challenging us as people. But I wrote it at 22. And so I'm 32 now. And I just pretty much went back and threw my current voice onto those old pages a little bit and added some shit to my daughter um, to detail the, the past couple of years of her life. So when she's older and can read it, it'll make sense. So I'm excited um, about that. <laughs> and I'm extremely excited because I feel like that book is going to do what it's supposed to do. And yeah. So, if anybody wants to book any like sessions or find out more about what you do, they can just go to the trap therapist underscore. Yeah, the trap therapist underscore. Um, to book a session with me is in my my bio, my link tree. Um, I got the trap therapy for Black Men Fund. We're actually going to start it off in June. So I'm only taking new clients by retainer um, on monthly packages now because I need people to know like I be real, real invested with my people. I got some folks I've been working with for like three years straight, talking to weekly. You know, so it takes a lot for me to mentally put you in my in my system or spiritually put you in my system. And then after the first or ten second session, you dip and then you put you hit me up in three, four months when another crisis happens. Like, I can't do that. So uh, for new folks, I would love to work with you. I just know I need my people to commit to at least, uh, you know, a month, at least at least a couple a couple sessions with me. Yeah. So, I get that. The especially yeah. if it's a fit, it's like let's just commit 
to the process real quick. And yeah. if you want to bounce point, in, whatever. And I think with us as, as, as Black practitioners, I want to be very intentional with people understanding, like, I am a trained psychotherapist. And when, I mean, I went to school academically. I've been licensed. Um, I'm not currently acting as a licensed um, therapist. Um, but in real time, I need people to understand that, like, the work for my folks it takes a different level of commitment that can't look like just because, you know, your job told you that you can go see a therapist or that you need to go talk to somebody. Like the work that I do literally is shadow work. Like it literally is, we're going to bring up some shit and we're going to like actually deal with some shit. And if need be, we're going to buy some shit up and we're going to cast some shit out and we're going to like identify some shit. Because that's kind of where the spiritualist piece comes in. Like a large part of who I am, how I operate now, combines my intuitive gifts and my ability to tap into working with ancestral energy, working with, you know what I'm saying, root work roots, um, being able to actually clear certain shit and call things what they are and speak to the actual root cause of the thing. So I'm about to be offering intuitive sessions to the to the collective um, to work with me in that way. I've been I've divined for a while with cars and different things, but like now at this point, I feel like people um, have to be more committed to that in the spiritual life. Like, don't bypass a therapist to see a spiritualist just to not commit to the work. You gotta like, commit no matter what. <laughs> you feel me? Like, I honestly, for a lot of people listening, I feel like therapy is pre-initiation work. We can talk about that on that podcast. But like, for a lot of people want to get initiated into anything, like literally this work is pre-initiation work. And I'll tell y'all how I tried to initiate and had a psychotic break. And yeah, it was some shit. <laughs> Man, speaking of licensure, a part of me, before we get off the line, I just want to, as somebody who is currently studying to become like and you know you know this work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about how licensure has a bit of a connection to white supremacy. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because my mentor is a former gang leader who got felonies. I think it was an attempted murder charge back in her younger mm-hmm. days. She went to uh, prison for it. She has felony, obviously, mm-hmm. and she can never. I think they might have just changed the rule, mm-hmm. but by then she's already been in this work like thirty years. She could have never gotten a license never, yeah. because of that. But yet she teaches other people yeah, who yeah. don't have records yeah. to get their licensure. They yeah, like, she, you know what I'm saying? To get their hours. Yeah, she's a sensei. Right. But yeah. technically, because she's quote unquote not licensed, somebody's gonna think that she's less than yeah. as if she's not the one that is putting the people in play yeah. to get their licensure hours. So they can yeah. even say that they're licensed or can throw yeah. their little uh they little letters or whatever in their face. Cause me and uh shout out to Sarah McKeeba. Me and her was talking about this yesterday about yeah. people weaponize their degrees too. Mm. Ooh, to make talk- up incompetencies. So yeah. yeah, you can have the PhD, you can have the masters. And this is speaking from somebody who got who's in, I'm halfway through with my program, my <laughs> master's program. If you can, I mean, you can weaponize the licensure, the doctors, whatever, you can make it sound like it, but the real expertise is gonna come in how you deal with your folks. So I so I be seeing I be seeing that the little you. chatter about Thank oh I'm this or I'm that well I have a degree that just shows me how much debt you in yeah low key yep. how yep. much you yep. and mind you and my mother just got a doctorate so I'm not yep. throwing shade but yep. I'm just saying like you can really see like the people that really are about the work yep. and they happen to get the letters because we have no choice exactly we cannot exactly. call ourselves therapists <laughs> unless we go get the damn masters so that's why I'm here. So it's like you can't call yourself this if you don't, based on the yeah. standards set by white folks, 
by yep. the white supremacy. <laughs> yep. And then if you make a mistake in most, the, and obviously we know how the, the, the injustice system is geared towards railroading, BIPOCs, whatever you want to call it, black folks, black folks, whatever, because my my uh, my director is is um Mexican. Yeah. So to see that and to see how this person is so impactful with the work and has impacted thousands of people to do this work from a super dope social justice centered standpoint, and to see that that system that yep. railroaded her also yep. won't give her a license yep. after she's been called rehabilitated. Yep. It's almost like her labor, though. Yeah. Why? Right, it's almost like what's like what is this? Yep. It's almost like yep. the most competent goal is, is the one. It's, the, it's yep. basically the battle of the competencies, not facts. the battle of the letters. Yeah, facts. And that's the thing about it. When you have access and your ability to get letters, then you look appear competent, right? Exactly. <laughs> and this ain't that. This ain't that. When you can regurgitate information, you can posture yourself to work with our people, but in real time, you don't know shit about what we got going on. Shit about our problems, shit about our pain. You spending more time in the session trying to understand what I'm saying to you versus connecting the dots to what the shit is. Like you spend more time with people that don't know your culture, don't know your language, don't know nothing about how your your pain manifests, but gonna sit there and try to study you without telling you, without helping you with what you that what you're actually there for. Like, and I'm not finna spend all this time with people trying to build rapport and get to know them by three, four sessions and then start talking about real shit. Hey man, go to my Instagram. And go look at all my shit. Go look at my content. Read my shit. Look at my lives. Get to know me there. Then call me when you're ready to goddamn be naked. Cause I wanna, I wanna get some people with me, me at this point that's ready to work. All this cute mental health shit. That is not who I am. Okay, I am not that. be going viral and shit and be looking cute on panels and shit. Like I'm the nigga that's gonna get you some healing. Like <laughs> let's do I mean that. You can, I feel like this, you can do both. I've seen it, like there's some real competent. But when I say that, I mean more so for the aesthetic. And that's exactly what I was going to get to. All the flyers, all the, all the events in the world, but it's like, where is the work being done at? You know what I'm saying? And who is being, and who is it? I'm tired of us working with, with like, again, the margins. I'm on us, black men specifically, the margins, the margins, the margins. It's a lot of us that have access and we're giving people with access more, more resources. And that's fine. I get that. We all need resources. Like we, we need it all. The reality though is for a lot of us, our inability to be uncomfortable prevents us from going into spaces with the folks that actually need us. Like. Well, you already know what type of work I do. Whether you're you incarcerated, know, yeah. whether you're we a in- gangbanger, <laughs> gangster G, whatever. Like I talk to everybody, people with suicide ideations, people that's dealing with breakups. But it's it's like it's cold because what I'm learning and this is like completely I'm, I'm we're, we're totally off topic. It's cool. It is what it is at this point. What yeah. I noticed is that with this kind of work, when you're in the school, mm-hmm. you're practicing, then going into experiential work. Right. For me, I did it backwards. Yeah. I started doing the work and yeah. then started getting formalized training to yeah. do the work. Then was like, you know what? Dang. I really can only go so far. So let me just go to school. And I'm realizing that <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? It's like, dang, like I'm, technically they're, I'm already here doing this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like internship. What you mean internship? I'm already doing it. It's the system. Again, it's a hard conversation that we, I don't think we have enough as healers inside of this about how we really wrestle with 
our relationships. I'm not licensed for more reasons than just I don't want to be licensed. I'm not licensed for reasons that look like me working with individuals that I can't. Like that niggas, the shit I, the shit I'm tell, told in in privacy is not stuff that I can report anywhere. Right? Ethically, my ethic. I have a trap ethic. I have an ethic that looks like like I'm not finna actually go get a system involved in shit. I don't feel like it should be involved in. Like. Yeah. And I talk to people who get their kids taken on some BS my, all the time. My and I've seen it. Again, I've seen it on some just, oh, I'm here to do good shit. Man, no, you ain't. Like, again, it goes back to the idea of even for us as Black clinicians and healers. Just because you're a Black person does not mean that you are automatically safe to me, another Black person. Like, Black cops kill niggas too. Like, I heard over there, so I'm too. Thank you. This system is white. We just see 12. We don't see color. We see 12. <laughs> right? We see 12. Period. I don't get it. Like, that shit really happens. Like, I don't see a nigga when I see that, 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 that uniform. I see 12 first. Like, so understand the, 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 the psychology that goes into me as an actual healer having to be in a studio, in a trap, in a club, in different spots. And it'd be real gangsters like, oh, no, nah, this nigga real therapist. <laughs> like, this nigga my real, this my actual therapist. <laughs> and niggas be like, for real, bro? Like, yeah, yeah, my nigga, I, like, I want to school for this shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it really be that conversation. And he'd be like, oh, that was up, my nigga, like, and really talking. But you have to posture yourself to where it's comfortable. I can't be in that motherfucker looking like I'm looking like a therapist. <laughs> like, the fuck? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Put your three-piece suit on. You feel me? That'd be weirdo. <laughs> You nigga really be on that. Like, you what, what black man you help looking like that? <laughs> anyway, but I will. <laughs> so, is there any final words before I get y'all to like? I done had you about two hours at this point. Hey, man, I love y'all. You can have, you know, you my nigga. So, this was, yeah, overdue. You know, we got more conversations to have, but I appreciate you, you know, as always, whenever you want me back. Um, I hope whoever's listening got some good shit because it's usually just a conversation like we always have. Yeah, we ain't um, got no format. Yeah, man. Y'all take care of yourselves intentionally. Like, if you are a black man or if you love a black man, like, send it to him and let him know, like, our pain is collective, my nigga, with you being, quote, unquote, hard and helping nobody. Like, all that shit gonna lead you to an early grade. And you're gonna die with a whole lot of shit that you feel like you should have, could have been able to share with people. So, so lean into the collective pain because on the other side of it is actual pleasure and ease and abundance. So, like, if you can share the pain, you know, the the, the, the collective, um, you know, the collective, the shared, the shared struggle of so the shared, you know, responsibility of survival, right, amongst us as Black folks. I think that's when we lean into the masculine because niggas feel it. But if you're going to lean into it, don't lean in it to posture. Lean in it to heal, my nigga. Stop trying to be the man. Just lean into it to be your man. Be you. <laughs> Right. Niggas respect being you. Don't be me. Don't try to be me. Because when you try to be me, now I'm looking at you like a duck. <laughs> like, be yourself. <laughs> That's what I got. Up authentic. Be yourself. I love y'all. Be yourself. <laughs> All right, bro. Love you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. You know this has Mwah. been an episode with the trap therapist, Wine. Your favorite trap therapist, the only the trap therapist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not a trap therapist, the trap therapist. Not talking about. <laughs> I love y'all, man. Peace. And that was today's episode with my homeboy, Afu, better known as Wine Wool, better known as The Trap Therapist. And if you want to find him again, you can find him on Instagram at the Trap Therapist underscore. Don't get it twisted. 
Um, he has been doing this work for a long time, and I love that I'm able to link with the homies that actually do the same thing I do. And it's really interesting because everybody in my circle at this stage of life is doing some type of service or healing work, and I really love that, and I think that alignment is very key. And I'm really grateful to be able to bring my peoples on the show and share them with y'all. Some of y'all may know Fu, uh, well, Wine Wool as well. Um, so it's really cool to see how small the world is and to see that everybody's committed to doing this type of work as well as personal development as well. So, so yeah, if you want to find me, you can do so at spiritualhomegirl.com, spiritualhomegirlpodcast.com if you want to tap in with old episodes. If you have not subscribed and left a review for my podcast, what is you waiting on, boo? Go ahead and do that, you know what I'm saying, wherever you listen to your podcast or any podcast streaming platform because I'm everywhere. Shout out to the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom is now... Um, my second largest market outside of the United States, my listenership market. Um, so shout out to you, boo-boo. If y'all are in the UK, let me know. Like, for real, for real, let me know. Um, I would love to hear from you. I would like to see who's listening, put a face to a name, an account to a name, something. Um, so if you're in the UK and you're listening, thank you so much for your support and lending me your ears. I would love again to... Um, to hit you up so thank you very much for tapping in with your folks also shout out to my patreon crew we are now doing the gemini sun sign challenge i kept it a little light for um for taurus because taurus the the thing that i gave for taurus for our sun sign challenge was something that really requires people to sit and i wanted to make sure that um I didn't bombard people this this month. Um, so with Gemini, now that we've done our homework, if we have, then we can connect it with what we're doing for Gemini. So, so yeah, so that's what we're doing. And um, yeah, what else is going on? Oh, spiritualhomegirl.shop if you want to tap in and get some crystal infused aromatherapy, get some t-shirts, what have you. I'm actually thinking about doing a quick t-shirt launch just to kind of test out some limited edition stuff so definitely tap in also sign up for my text club we're doing a free challenge very very soon if you sign up for the tribe letter um at um the link in my show notes or through the bio link in my instagram or anywhere else that my newsletter that comes through email wherever that link is thank you very much but i want to take a little bit of a break on um, tribe letter which will be back monday i already have an idea of what i want to say i've already begun writing that email so it'll go out come uh monday but if you have not tapped in with the text club too you missing out because i'm doing stuff on a text club that i cannot do on email because email is a little bit limiting and with the text club i have a little bit more freedom to kind of keep things to a specific um, standard in terms of what exactly I want to communicate with this particular thing. So I'm doing a challenge. It's a text message challenge. It's going to be done exclusively through text. I'm really excited about that. So um, if you have not signed up, text homegirl10 to 81493. Again, text the word homegirl10 to 81493. Um, let's see what else. Oh, also on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Clubhouse. I am there at Spiritual Home Girl. And I feel like, is there anything else that I'm missing? I feel like I need to... Maybe I am missing something. No, I think... Nope, I think that's it. That's it. 
All right, y'all. So this has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. My name is Maria. And remember, boo, trust the journey and trust yourself. And remember, a little bit of communication can go a long way. All right. Love y'all. Peace. This episode has been produced by producer extraordinaire Jason Trichodemus Valerio.